Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Book 2, Chapter 5, Back on This Side of the Door. Chapter 5, Back on This Side of the Door. Because the game of hide-and-seek was still going on, it took Edmund and Lucy some time to find the others. When, but when at last they were all together, which happened in the long room where the suit of armor was, Lucy burst out, Peter! Susan! It's all true! Edmund has seen it too. There is a country we can get in through the wardrobe. Edmund and I both got in. We went one another in there. In the wood. Go on, Edmund. Tell them all about it. Now, what's all this, Ed? Said Peter. Now, and now we come to one of the nastiest things in the story. Up to that moment, Edmund had been feeling sick and sulky and annoyed Lucy for being right. But he hadn't made up his mind what to do. But when Peter suddenly asked him the question, he decided all at once to do the mean, meanest and spiteful thing they can think of. He decided to let Lucy down. Tell us, Ed, said Susan. And Edmund gave a superior look as if he was far older than Lucy. There was only really a year's difference. And then with a little snigger and said, Oh yes, Lucy and I have been playing, pretending that all of our story about a country in the wardrobe is true. Just for fun. There's nothing there really. Poor Lucy gave Edmund one look and rushed out of the room. Edmund, who was becoming a nastier person every minute, had thought he had scored a great success and went on at once to say, There she goes again. What's the matter with her? That's the worst of young kids. They always... Look here, said Peter, turning on him savagely. Shut up! You're perfectly beastly to Lou ever since you started this nonsense about the wardrobe. Or ever since she started this nonsense about the wardrobe. And setting off again... You, I believe you did it simply out of spite. But it's all nonsense, said Edmund, very taken aback. Of course it's all nonsense, said Peter. That's the point. Lou was perfectly all right when she left home, and ever since we've bound, been down here, where she seems to be either getting queer in the head or else turning the most frightful liar. Whichever it is, what good do you think you'll do by jeering and nagging at her one day and encouraging her the next. I, th I thought, I thought, said Edmund, but he couldn't think of anything to say. He didn't think anything at all, said Peter. It's just spite. You've always liked to be, you've always liked being beasted to anyone smaller than yourself, and we have seen that at school before now. Do stop it, said Susan. I won't make things any better by having a row between you two. Let's go and find Lucy. It was not surprising when they had found Lucy a good deal later, and everyone could see that she had been crying. Nothing they could say to her made any difference. She stuck to her story and said, I don't care what you say. What do you think? I don't care what you say. You could tell the professor, or you can write to mother, or you can do anything that you like. I've met a fawn in there, and I wish I'd just stayed there. And, and you are all just beasts. 
beasts. It was an unpleasant evening. Lucy was feeling miserable, and Edmund was beginning to feel that his plan wasn't working as well as they expected. The two older ones were really thinking that Lucy was out of her mind. They stood in the passage talking about in whispers long after she had gone to bed. The result was, the next morning they decided they would go tell the whole thing to the professor. He'll write the father if he thinks there's something really wrong with Lou, said Peter. It's getting beyond us. And so they went and knocked at the study door. And the professor said, come in. And got up and found chairs for them and said he was quite at their disposal. Then he sat listening to them with the tips of their fingers pressed together and never interrupting till they had finished the whole story. After that, he had said nothing for quite some time. Then he cleared his throat and said the last thing neither of either of them expected. How do you know, he asked, that your sister's story is not true? Oh, but, began Susan, and then stopped. Anyone could see from the old man's face, old man's face, old man's face, that he was perfectly serious. Then, Susan pulled herself together and said, But Edmund said they had only been pretending. That is a point, said the professor, which certainly does consideration, very careful consideration. For instance, if you excuse me for asking the question, does your experience lead to regard your brother or sister as the more reliable? Well, I mean, which is more? Truthful. That's a very. F that's just the funny thing about it, sir," said Peter. "Up till now, I have said Lucy every time. What do you think, my dear?" said the professor to Susan. "Well," said Susan. "In general, I I'd say the same as Peter. But this couldn't be true. All this about the wood and the fawn. That is more than I know," said the professor. In charge of lying against someone whom you always found truthful is a very thing, serious thing. A very serious thing indeed. I'm afraid it might even be lying, said Susan. We thought there might be something wrong with Susie, Lucy. Madness, you mean? said the professor quite coolly. Oh, you can make your minds easy about that. One only has to look at her and talk to her to see that she is not mad. But then, said Susan, and stopped. She'd never... But she'd never dreamed that a grown-up would talk to the professor and didn't know what to think. Logic! Said the professor half to himself. Why don't they teach logic at this school? There is only... They are, they are only telling three possibilities. Either your sister, sister is telling lies or she is mad, or she is telling the truth. You know she doesn't tell lies, and it's obvious she, she is not mad. For a moment, then, it, and, then it, and unless any further evidence turns up, we must assume she is telling the truth. Susan looked at him very hard and was quite sure from the expression on his face that he was not making fun of him. But how could it be true, sir, said Peter. Why do you say that? asked the professor. Well, for one thing, said Peter, 
If it was real, then why doesn't anyone find this country any time they go into the wardrobe? I mean, there was nothing when we looked, and Lucy didn't pretend there was. What has that got to do with it? Said the professor. Well, sir, if things are real, they're all the time. They're there all the time. Are they? Said the professor, and Peter did not know quite what to say. But there is no time, said Susan. Lucy had no time to, to, to have gone anywhere. Even if she, she was such a place, she came running after us the very moment we were out of the room. It was less than a minute, and she pretended to have been away for hours. That is the very thing that makes her story so true, said the professor. If there's a really door in the, if there really is a door in this house that leads to some other world, and I should warn you, this is a very strange house. And I knew it, and even I know very little about it. It's, if I say she's got into the other world, another world, I should not be at all surprised to find out that the other world had been a separate time of its own. So how long you, so that however long you stay there, it would never take up any of our time. On the other hand, I don't. I don't think many girls of her age would invent the idea for themselves if she had been pretending. She would have hidden for a reasonable time before coming out and telling her story. But do you really mean, sir, said Peter, that there could be other worlds all over the place, around the corner, like that? Nothing is more probable, said the professor, taking off his spectacles and beginning to polish them. Well, he muttered to himself, hmm, I wonder what, what they do teach him at these schools. But what are we to do? S said Susan. She felt that the conversation was beginning to get off the point. My dear young lady, said the professor, suddenly looking at them with, with a very sharp expression at both of them. There is one plan which no one has yet suggested and well worth trying. What's that? said Susan. We might try. Ending, minding our own business, said he. And that was the very end of that conversation. After this, things was a good deal better for Lucy. Peter saw to it that Edmund had stopped jeering at her. And neither she nor anyone else felt inclined to talk about the wardrobe at all. It had become a rather alarming subject. And so for a time, it looked at all as if all the adventures were coming to an end. But that was not to be. This house of the professors, which even he knew, knew, so little, knew so little about, was so old and famous that people all over, from all over England used to come and ask permission to see over it. It was the sort of house that was mentioned in guidebooks and even in histories. For well it might be, for matters of all stories were told about it, some of them even stranger than the one I'm telling you now. And when parties of sightseers arrived to see the house, the professor always gave them permission. Mrs. McCurdy, the housekeeper, showed them around, telling about the pictures and the armors and the rare books in the library. Mrs. McCurdy was not fond of the children and did not like to be interrupted when she was telling visitors about all the things that she knew. She 
she had said to Susan and Peter almost on the first morning, along with a good many other instructions. Please remember you're to keep out, out of the way whenever I'm taking a party all over the house. Just as any of us would want to waste half the morning's trip trailing around the crowd of strange grown-ups, said Edmund. And the other three saw it the same. That was how adventures began for the second time. A few mornings later, Peter and Edmund were looking at the suit of armor and wondering if they could take it to bits to the to bits when the two girls rushed into the room and said, Look out! Here comes the Metcardy and the whole gang was there. Sharp's the word, said Peter, and all four made off the door, made off through the door and at the far end of the room. But when they had gotten to the green room and beyond it, into the library, they suddenly heard voices ahead of them and realized that Mrs. McCurdy must be bringing her party of sightseers up the back stairs and set up the front stairs as they had expected. After th- and after that, whether it was that they lost their heads or that Mrs. McCurdy was trying to catch them or that some magic in the house had come to life and was chasing them into Narnia, they seemed they to find themselves being followed everywhere. And until the last, Susan said, Oh, bother those trippers. Let's go into the wardrobe room until they've passed. No one will follow us in there. But at the moment, they were in sight and heard voices in the passage, and then, and then someone fumbling at the door. And they saw the handle turning. Quick, said Peter. There's no results. And flung open the wardrobe. All four of them bundled inside and sat there, panting, in the dark. Peter held the door, closed, and, but, but did not shut it, for of course, he remembered, as every sensible person does, you would never shut yourself up in the wardrobe. Well, that is the end of chapter 5. Next chapter is called chapter 6, Into the Forest.